a creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. My name is Andy J. Pizza. I'm a New York Times bestselling author and illustrator. This show is where we explore what it takes to build a thriving, well-balanced creative practice. Let's go. Today's episode is for you if you're feeling uninspired, if the stuff that used to get you excited about making creative stuff is no longer doing the trick, or worse, you can't even remember what it felt like to be excited and be inspired. Why did you ever feel so passionate about creating things? If you're in that zone, this episode is for you. If you stay to the end, We're gonna do some creative blood work to get your heart back in the game with four different types of creative inspiration so that you can figure out which of them you need today. Let's get into it. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you wanna hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, antijpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. First thing you gotta do if you are in a dangerously low place with inspiration is you've gotta quit playing games with your heart. Quit playing games with my For the most part, the creators that I know are those especially sensitive ones in society. Most people maybe don't need to be so delicate with their inspiration or enthusiasm. 
they don't need it to get out of bed in the morning. They don't need it to get through their work or get through their day. They don't have to be 100% jazzed to move through life. But for creative types, this is the light of our life. It guides us. It feeds us. Losing sight of this warmth can be panic-inducing for us, especially sensitive ones. See, I'm one of those types of people that struggle with something called object permanence. Now, object permanence is this idea that when things are out of sight, they're not just out of mind, they are out of existence. They cease to exist. It's almost like they never existed. And so I have to be careful about that when it comes to my relationships or appointments or feelings, emotions, what I know to be true. I have to keep those things top of mind because if I don't, they can fall out of existence completely. For most people, a sense of object permanence is something that develops naturally over time. We all start out though as babies without this ability to know that just because I can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's the basis of the game peekaboo. It's why if you're with a baby and you cover up your face, you are instantaneously Houdini popped out of existence. Uh, and if you re if you uncover your face, you're right back there. And for a lot of babies, it's a funny, fun time. But for the especially sensitive ones, this can be not just startling, but almost traumatic because instantaneously, the light of their life, the thing that guides them, the thing that feeds them, the source of their stability has just fallen off the face of the earth. And so for those babies, you got to play that game a little bit more carefully, right? Wrong. You don't play the game with those babies. If your baby is absolutely terrified by the experience of playing peekaboo, quit playing peekaboo. And the same goes for you if you are a creator type who is one of those especially sensitive ones. If you're a creator, your inspiration and your enthusiasm, that is the fuel. That is the light of your life. That is the center of your creative practice. And so you can't play a game. You can't play fast and loose with it. You have to take it seriously. You have to take staying inspired as a crucial element to your creative practice. So the first step to getting inspired and staying inspired and staying in that zone is to not leave it to chance, is to not play with it like it's a game. If my creative practice is how I pay the bills or it's how I stay sane as a human, I can't leave being enthusiastic and being inspired up to chance. I can't mess around with it. And so if you are a creator who has lost your inspiration, is it because you haven't seen that as a chief responsibility within your power? 
the first thing you have to do is shift this away from something that is completely out of your control, something that's all serendipity, something that is all a nice to have, a game that kind of happens when it happens and doesn't when it doesn't. If you have creative practice at the core of your being, whether for work or for mental health or for your general well-being, you have to accept that that makes you an especially sensitive one. And for people like that, it's not a game. It's something that you have to take seriously and that you have to take responsibility over. So that's the first piece to this equation. Number two is staying inspired is the discipline. So before we get to the four types of inspiration in which you may need to pursue today, I want to address one more primary mindset shift that I think is required to stay full and creatively healthy. So first, we said you have to quit leaving this vital aspect of your creative practice to chance or games or accident. Secondly, you have to embrace inspiration as important and crucial as a discipline. You've probably heard macho creator types out there being like, inspirations for sissies or saying inspiration find you working or whatever. And I think inspiration can find you working. I actually think that that's true. Um, but there's a sense that they're saying inspiration is meaningless. It's for amateurs. And I disagree with that, at least partially. Now, it's true that there are lots of days I have to fall back on discipline to show up rather than relying on inspiration to move me. I, don't, I can't just wait around for that. Today, recording this episode, I woke up in a place where I was like, I don't feel like recording this today. But I knew that I have to have a level of discipline. I have to show up continually, not just when I feel like it. I have to show up when I know it's the right thing to do, when I know it's the truth, even if I don't feel it in my heart, I know it in my head and I need to show up and do the work. However, if that becomes the rule rather than the exception, I can risk showing up in that disciplined way without that enthusiasm, without that spark. And if you do that too long, you will find yourself in a place in a creative practice that is completely unaligned. You will have a space where your heart and your head are in two different places and your creativity will become nothing more than factory work. The reason I said that I partially disagree with this idea that inspiration finds you working uh, or you know you can't just rely on inspiration, the reason I said I partially disagree is because I do believe that discipline keeps the ball in the air while you wait for inspiration to return. But I also believe that it must return, that it is essential, that the error in this line of thinking that inspiration is just for amateurs, from my point of view, is that discipline and inspiration are not mutually exclusive but they are partners in the creative journey. Another attack you'll hear on motivation or inspiration is that it's so fickle and so temporary that it is clearly meaningless if it's something you have to continually top up on or something that 
leaks that much. It can't have any real substance. But whenever anyone makes an argument like this, whether it's about joy or pleasure or meaning or inspiration, I argue that food is also temporary. You are made of food. Like needing to eat every day doesn't make food any less crucial to our life. In fact, you gotta eat every few hours. You are what you ate. It's nutrition. And the same is true for inspiration. Just because inspiration is only half the battle and discipline is the other half and a necessary partner doesn't negate the fact that it's half the battle. That's a big portion of the battle. Like you don't say that, you know, pancakes are only half flour and half milk. So but the flour is clearly meaningless. I'll just fry off some milk. That's not a pancake. Half the battle is a huge portion of the battle and it's meaningful and necessary. This is just future Andy coming in here to say, hey, I make pancakes all the time. I know it's not just milk and flour. It's also eggs and baking soda and and uh, the other one, baking soda, baking powder. Look, I, I put a little vinegar in there. Make, it kind of creates a little air, little fluffier pancakes if you're trying to find that. Anyway, I was oversimplifying for the point of the analogy. Back to the show. And just because inspiration is temporary doesn't make it something you can ignore and neglect. You wouldn't say, I'm just going to ignore eating because no matter what I do, I have to eat a few hours later. You accept and embrace that eating frequently is essential to staying full and healthy. And the same is true for your creative practice. Staying inspired, finding that creative nutrition, that stuff that comes in the input is essential to a healthy output. And so discipline is keeping your head in the game, but inspiration is keeping your heart in the game. And I think they're both essential. And I think discipline gets more play because inspiration is a thing that maybe is more easily attractive, but sometimes in that pursuit of discipline and keeping your head in the game, we can lose track of or even downplay how essential it is to stay inspired. And they don't negate each other. They work hand in hand. And this is why I make this podcast. Inspiration is both crucial and fleeting. So every week, I need reminders to stay inspired and to remember why I keep showing up and why I want to stay disciplined. And I know that you probably do too. And that's why I make it my discipline to stay inspired and to help you stay inspired. So if you're ready to quit playing games and you're ready to embrace staying inspired as a discipline in its own right, let's talk about the four types of inspiration and help you figure out which one you need to prioritize foraging today. Okay, so if staying inspired is the discipline of keeping not just your head in the game, but your heart in the game, Let's do some creative blood work. Let's figure out what nutrients you're missing because showing up every single day when your heart is not in it is just not gonna do the trick. This is your creative call to adventure today, your creative call to action. How do we put some of these ideas into practice right now? Let's do that with the creative blood work exercise and figure out which of these four types of creative inspiration you need today. Because I think part of the reason why I get out of whack creatively 
is because I'm getting stuck, getting inspired in one particular way when you actually need different types of inspiration at different times depending on what you're currently lacking or what season you're in creatively right now. All right, let's go through the four different symptoms and the four cures for which one you're struggling with right now. So if, number one, you are feeling like your work has lost its shine, if it feels dull, if it feels out of date, if it wouldn't grab your attention, if it's no longer your taste, then the cure is inspiration in the aesthetic realm, the surface level, just the stuff that gets your attention. You need to collect stuff that quickens your heart. You need the stuff that gets your heart racing, that gets your attention, that stops you as you're scrolling through whatever apps you're on. And my key here for the aesthetics piece is that you not just collect new stuff that's getting you super pumped, but you go to old things too that are equally capturing your attention. So for instance, I have seen a lot of 3D illustration that I think is really cool and I'm really into. I don't think that's a direction I'm going to take at the moment. Uh, I've been kind of on a deep dive in the analog work and the picture book stuff I've been doing has been gouache and painting. And I think in the age of AI, there's a premium for doing stuff with your hands and that feels really right and good to me. But as an example, I also really dig some of the stuff that's happening in 3D. Um, and I think it's good to appreciate stuff, even if it's not the stuff that you're doing. So there are some things and some people and some work that really get me and get my heart racing when I see it, that is that 3D stuff. But if I dig a little bit deeper, if I don't just keep it in that new inspiration, I can find something a little bit more substantive, uh, a little bit more original in terms of inspiration that's in that vein. And I have been super obsessed with these clay magazine covers for these old Nintendo magazines from like the 80s. And they look a lot like the stuff that's getting made today in 3D and Blender and, and Cinema 4D or wh whatever it's called. Um, but it's actually just made with clay. And so I bought some clay just to mess around, just to stay inspired, just to stay excited. And it goes hand in hand too with, I've seen some uh, animators who will make models of their characters and move them in different angles so that they can keep that consistency, which is also key for making picture books. And so that's just an example of how aesthetically you can get up to date by going back to the past and diving deeper into your inspirations. And um, those are just some examples of what you might do if Aesthetically speaking, if on the surface work just feels a little bit out of date, like it's a little bit lost its shine, feels a little bit dull. So that's the first one. All right, the second one. If the symptoms are the work maybe looks shiny, it feels new, it feels exciting, but ultimately underneath it feels a little bit hollow. It feels like 
a little bit meaningless. Maybe it's like that kind of pop song that gets your attention, that melody that hooks you in initially, but you blow through it super fast and there just doesn't seem to be any substance underneath. It might be like the equivalent of a clickbait article that sounded super cool, but when you got into it, left you unsatisfied. If your work is feeling like that, if that's the symptom of what's happening in your work, the inspiration, the cure that you might need is number two, the mechanics. Now, this is something I feel a lot of creators don't spend a lot of time on. In fact, I feel like a lot of creators don't even seem to be aware that this is a component of the creative practice. My favorite creators never stop talking shop about devices, about inventions, about mechanics, about how does the sausage work. We're going to do an episode in the future all about how I think the difference between an artist and an art appreciator is whether you want to know how the sausage gets made or you don't whether that ruins it for you. If it ruins for you, ruins it for you, you might just be an appreciator of creative work if you want to keep the mystery. But the creators I know and love the most, they want to know what is the invention, what is the mechanic, what is the psychology of how this work works. And so if you need to not just get their attention with something shiny, but you want it to move them, change them, give them experience satisfy them on a deeper level. If your work is feeling a bit hollow, you might need inspiration on the mechanics level. For instance, Angus Fletcher is somebody who I've talked about a couple times on this podcast. He has a book called Wonder Works, and it's about like 25 literary inventions from different authors over the years. And these literary inventions, they are these breakthrough works of literature that figured out a way to write and tell stories that had a neurobiological effect on people's brains. It was like a chemical combustion. They figured out that if you set up this level of self-deprecation and irony as well as enthusiasm through these means, you can create this chemical reaction in a brain that has a particular effect that doesn't just get them to pick up the book, but makes that book stick with them for the rest of their life. And there's also things like the episode we did with Lisa Marciano from This Jungian Life, where we're talking about the psychology of symbolism. We're talking about you know design fundamentals. How do you get someone to uh, look at a poster and they get it like a punchline and it has an effect internally. It just doesn't just get their attention, it moves them. It gives them an aha, it, it moves them to tears or laughter or some kind of payoff. If you're feeling like things just feel hollow and meaningless as you're going to create them, you might need to find some inspiration. And when it comes to mechanics and it comes to devices in your work, those are things that you don't need to invent from scratch. Those are the basics. It is the massive exception to the rule that a creator goes and invents a new type of mechanic, like invents the use of playful negative space. 
And I think the people that do invent those only do so because they're so well-versed in what's already available. You know, those literary breakthroughs come from people who study the works that came before them, create their own works, and often stumble into that level of breakthrough. And I think as a participator in creativity, I think we have to be humbly just enthusiastic about playing the game, let alone reinventing it. And so if you're feeling like things are a bit hollow, you might need to find inspiration in the mechanics, in the devices. Okay, the third symptom that you might experience that can point to the kind of creative inspiration that you might need next is you just feel kind of like, what's the point? You feel apathetic. Maybe you feel like your work is fresh, your work is deep, but what is the point? Because it doesn't really matter what you do. People aren't going to see it. It's going to get buried by the algorithm. You're not going to get a sale. You're, you're, you're not going to be able to show up consistently enough to make it work. If those are the kind of symptoms that you have, the cure is practice inspiration. You need creative practice inspiration. You don't need inspiration that has to do with the work itself. You need inspiration that is around the work. You need new business models. You need new business ideas. You need new platforms to explore. You need new stories of people that are winning the game, that are having some success. You need to find strategy inspiration. You need to go search out things like this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, that's a big thing that we explore week in, week out is the practice around the creative work. We also explore the previous two ones, but a big percentage of this show is the stuff that happens around the creativity to make it work. And so if you're just feeling like, what's the point? You know, we have an inability to show up and put in the time and put in the work if we don't believe that that will lead us to the success that we're after. It is essential that you feel like you have the tactic, you have the strategy that if you apply it, will slowly but surely push you closer and closer to where you're trying to go. And so sometimes the inspiration you need isn't about the aesthetic. It doesn't mean just another Pinterest board. It doesn't mean just, you know, finding another device or tool or whatever. It doesn't even have to do with your creative work at all, but the practice around it. And so if you're feeling kind of apathetic because everything just feels like it doesn't matter how much I try or how good the work is, it's never going to lead to anything, you might need some inspiration on the strategy front. Okay, the fourth one. The symptom is you feel like your work is secondhand news. It's about someone else's experience or it's about someone else as in the person you used to be that you're not anymore. You know, there are lots of times where you create this brand, you create this groove and you get known for something and you're all about it. And then 10 years later, that's not who you are anymore. And showing up with that kind of consistency is not authentic. It's inauthentic to stick to who you used to be. And your art will be dead if it lacks life experience. 
You have to have some sense of urgency to communicate what is important to you on a life, on a human, on a personal level. I thought about this the other day. We might do a whole episode about this if you're interested in it. Uh, that I think often art is just about giving something that you think deserves tons of attention and pouring your time into that thing, into that idea, into that philosophy, or into that message, into that thing that you want to say because it matters to you on a personal life level and that you want to give it so much time and energy and attention so that you can just get someone else's attention for a second. Like that level of input and work, you know, writing that novel. You know, for me, it's like when I have an idea where I'm like, this thing matters so much that I'm going to spend years of my life giving it all that I can so that I can get minutes of somebody else's attention because it, it matters that much. And that's such an important creative prompt. And that comes from not making art about art. It comes from not making art from the perspective that you cared about 10 years ago when you started the journey. It comes from having real life experiences that move you, that matter, that you want to transfer into somebody else because you think it'll make a difference, because you think it will even give them something worthwhile in there every day. And so if you are feeling like this is just someone else's cause, this is just someone else's mission, this is just a message that I used to care about, it just doesn't really matter to, to me anymore, the cure is you need the inspiration of real life experiences. You need to open yourself up to new experiences. In the uh, research space around creativity, you're going to hear the phrase all the time, openness to experience is the key to creativity. And it's they named it exactly for what it is. It is an openness to experience. And, you know, sometimes I see bands that have logos. And I'm not saying a band with a logo, like that's always wrong. I'm not saying that. That's a ridiculous you know, blanket statement that couldn't be true. But there's a feeling that when a band has a logo and a brand, when a band becomes a brand, that sometimes you've lost your openness to experience. You've lost your openness to the new. Uh, I read the first uh, chapter book um, of from the Moomin world from Tova Jansen to my daughter, my youngest daughter recently. We were working through it um, each night. And, uh, it's all about, it's the one that's about a comet going to hit the Moomin Valley. If you don't know Moomin, it's a, it's a thing that came out of Finland from an artist, illustrator, author, Tova Jansen, who, um, is no longer with us. Rest in peace. Um, massive influence on my work, super playful, psychological, kind of, um, Somewhere between Hayao Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli and Charlie Brown, some something kind of in that vein. And um, one of the lines in there that I just love and has stuck with me for a long time is this idea that Moomin, who's this kind of like hippopotamus-looking creature, his dad, Moomin Papa, writes all these memoirs, and he's telling his new girlfriend about it, and he, she's like 
sounds like he's doing all this writing. He doesn't even have time to experience anything. And Moomin's like, well, he actually makes sure he makes time to experience new things, even if it's just so that he'll have something new to write about. And I think for creators, that can be very relatable, but we can forget that. We can start making art about the art that we used to make. And it's just so boring. You've got to have fresh experience. You've got to have new life, even if it's just to make art about. And I remember seeing this comedian at the Comedy Cellar who I, I don't remember who what their name was, but they were saying that they'll go do skiing for the first time just to find some new jokes to tell. And I remember going to the library once and they brought this penguin in and it led to an analogy that was one of my first bigger talks that I did. And it came from just saying yes to life, being open to things that I don't know if I'll like them, especially things that I know that me 10 years ago wouldn't have liked. I started reading a lot more classic fiction recently and, uh, and that was about saying yes to something that 10 years ago didn't work for me. And so if you're having those symptoms where you feel like this is someone else's perspective, this is someone else's cause, this is someone else's meaning, this is someone I used to be, this is a brand, not a band. If that's you, then you might need inspiration, not on Pinterest, not in the aesthetics, not in a book and mechanics and devices, not even in the strategy or the practice, but actual first-hand, real-life experiences. And some of those experiences have to be bad. Like, that's part of being open. You have to risk having some life experience that you don't know how it's going to turn out. That kind of real-life risk is where that type of inspiration gets its edge. All right, I hope that if you started this episode in a low place, inspiration-wise, that some of this helped you top up a little bit, enough to take action. Because like I said, I somewhat disagree with the idea that inspiration finds you while you're working. And I said partially disagree because I also partially agree. You know, for me, as someone who struggles a bit with object permanence, I can, when I haven't done a type of creative work for a little while, completely forget how much I love to do it. When I haven't been making uh, art for a picture book for a little while, if I go a few months without doing that, I can completely forget some of the highest highs and joys and the meditative state that comes from painting. And I get in the thick of it and I think, man, can't believe that I almost forgot about this or whether I'm doing a talk or I'm doing this podcast. Like today, I am not joking. I didn't plan to talk about this. I did not feel like recording this episode. And by the end, just by doing the discipline, I found the inspiration and I left so much more inspired by doing the work than I did before starting it. And so this episode is not about just waiting till you feel excited, waiting till you feel full, waiting till you feel ex uh, uh, enthusiastic about your practice, but it is about taking that aspect of your creativity seriously. And if you're in a super low 
energy place and you can't remember when the last time you felt excited about the work was, my last recommendation is to just pause and take stock of when was the last time you felt the pulse of the universe in that creative endeavor, in that creative journey. Sometimes I have to get that desperate and I have to think, when was the last time that I felt on fire, that kind of otherworldly level enthusiasm? And just go back and pick up the scent, pick up the trail, pick up from that last breadcrumb that you found. Sometimes, sadly, that's a year in the past. Sometimes it's longer. But it's been a powerful practice for me to pause and take it seriously when it's been too long since I've had one of those, those experiences and think, what was the last time I felt that way? And let me go back in a disciplined manner and be true to that inspiration and take care of it like it is the flame that's keeping this thing going because it is. Creative Pep Talk is your weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm a New York Times bestselling picture bookmaker and illustrator for clients like Xbox and Apple. I pep talk teams at creative hubs like Warby Parker and Sesame Street, and I make this podcast because for me, it takes a whole lot of creativity just to get out of bed in the morning sometimes, let alone attempt to create a thriving creative practice. This show is just me sharing the things that seem to be helping in case they help anybody else. Shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music and soundtrack. Huge thanks to Connor Jones of Pinning Beautiful for the sound design and editing the show. Massive thanks to Katie Chandler and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all kinds. And thanks to you for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up.